It's an Arsenal Thing podcast with your host Tom, Silent Dave, and Isaiah. Hi, and welcome to It's an Arsenal Thing podcast with your host Tom, that's me, and I'm in the company of a man who is the equivalent of a pillow being dropped from a 30-story building into a vat of custard. I've never tried it, but it sounds quite quiet. Give it up, peeps, for Silent Dave. Episode 9 is called You Can't Always Get What You Want. Isn't that the truth? A sinister mixture of the Rolling Stones song and Arsenal's inconsistent form. On the menu tonight, we'll be squeezing in the Newcastle clash in the Premier League, uh, the fourth round FA Cup game against Southampton and the return of the Saints in the Premier League. We'll be jetting off to catch up with American Arsenology and Isaiah and we'll be joined by guest Kellyanne to dissect Arsenal's performances, take in a butchers at the transfers and discuss the most open Premier League campaign ever we also have the winner of who's arsenal's best ever left back and i got a stinging rebuke of an email so hot couldn't hold it uh, adrian said why is nigel winterburn not on that list well i'm glad you asked nigel not nigel adrian <laughs> i'm glad you asked adrian <laughs> I can't think and walk and talk at the same time. It's not possible. I'm glad you asked, Adrian. I just simply left it to you to mention his name. Of course, Nadja, the great Nadja, is going to be on anybody's list. And uh, he's in this one. The podcasting public have cast their vote. And Nadja is a certainty. He's in there. But where is he? Mm. Find out later. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football and conversation. It's a sad day when you realise that the man you idolised in a noiseless way is a fraud. Ladies and gentlemen, he comes here revelling in the shushness, suckling on the teat of success of silence, portraying himself as a champion of his kind, a maverick of muteness. But sadly and regrettably, it's not what it seems. Dave, I've discovered someone that is your peer. And from here on in, you'll just be referred as a silence enthusiast. But no more than that. Courtesy of cbc.ca, John Francis planned to hold a vow of silence for one day. Instead, it lasted 17 years. 17 years! It started as a way to stop arguing about the other vow. But he's got another vow to never ride in a car again after the 1971 San Francisco Bay oil spill. Francis decided to avoid motorized vehicles entirely. In 1973, he devised a plan to stop talking for a whole day. Uh, hardly a plan, is it? It's more of a whim, if you ask me. Anyway, he liked how it felt and continued not to speak. He found himself checking in on whether he should keep his vow or not on a yearly basis. How does that work? Francis says he appreciated how much he was learning from not speaking to other people, but other people would approach him to share their private opinions and secrets. 17 years, not even a mumble behind closed doors, a muffled curse under the duvet or a hushed harsh word into a sock. It's dedication, Dave. It's a sort of Mo Farah of speechlessness. Yes, you may well look shame, sir, for you have been misleading your podcasting friends out there. They treated you like a god. It's an Arsenal thing podcast. Fun, football and conversation. Right, well, I had to do a piece on Southampton. What's it famous for? Like the one I did on Newcastle. I have to admit, I had a bit of a struggle. But then I found out it was a musical oasis spawning not only Craig David. Do you remember him, Craig David? Every time he brought out a record, which was roughly twice a week, he had his name on it, which was really annoying. So not only Dave, uh, Dave Craigness, not only Dave Craigness, but Howard, jo <laughs> Howard Jones, keep up. Howard Jones, who? Come on, one for the teenagers. Check out those lyrics, Not So Silent Dave. Profound, deep, edgy. 
it also reminds me of my cousin Dennis, which has got absolutely nothing to do with anything. My idea of ultimate pleasure is listening to It's an Arsenal Thing podcast wearing nothing more than fluffy slippers. Onwards to the Newcastle game. Nine days after beating them 2-0 at the Emirates, under pressure, Steve Bruce and his side returned for another high-octane clash. <laughs> Who writes this? High-octane clash. More of a bit of a, a snoozer, wasn't it? Snoozathon. Um... We'll be employing sarcasm, as you've just seen, for a limited period only on the show. Right, let's have some stats supplied by Opta.com. Arsenal had won 14 of their last 15 Premier League matches against Newcastle. Arsenal beat Newcastle 2-0 at home in the FA Cup third round on January the 9th this year. And a win would make it the shortest gap between home victories against the same opponents since 2008. When, coincidentally, they beat Newcastle twice at the Emirates in the space of three days. Arsenal striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Aubameyang doo, 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 has either scored or assisted in five of his six games against Newcastle in all competitions, finding the net in each of his three last games against the Magpies. Newcastle manager Steve Bruce has never won an away Premier League game against Arsenal, with his side scoring just three goals in 11 away games against the Gunners. <laughs> The match. Unfortunately, the first 45 minutes of this contest was like watching two old geezers in boxing gloves playing chess. Steve Bruce had employed new tactics, which were exactly the same as the old tactics, and they gave away similar results. The ploy of packing out defence and hoping to get lucky up the other end made dull and desperate viewing, and I found myself drifting off at times as Arsenal tried to find a way through. Arsenal had 70% plus possession in the first half, and it's no substitute for goals. And as they emerged for the second half, you kind of sensed that uh, Arteta had just asked for more of the same, in the hope that something would shake loose later on. Uh, Aubameyang had threatened to find his form, but he did miss, well, the one really open. It was a yawn. It was a gaping chasm of a goal. Let's get to the goals. A rare Newcastle attack broke down and the flighted ball was cleared by the head of Cedric around the 49th minute mark. Lacazette provided a pass to party who looked up and saw Aubameyang opening his stride. Um, he still had plenty to do, but it was on his favoured angle of a left side. So um, that, that was all meat and potatoes, wasn't it, really? He just ran in, made no mistake, lashing it into the net. The second goal, another failed Newcastle attack around the 59th minute mark, ended in the hands of Helleno. The German fed the ball out to Thomas Partey. The big man passed to Aubameyang, who popped it forward to Smith Rowe. The youngster, who had initially been facing his captain, turned and went goalwards, embarrassing Lachelle's, whose legs just couldn't cope with the changes in pace and direction. Smith Rowe cut the ball back for the advancing Saka to slot home. 60 minutes on the clock there or thereabouts job done 76 minutes and cherry on the cake a fail clearance thudded into Cedric's chest I think it was who passed to Saka only to receive the return the left back raced to the line and nearly overcooked it but he managed somehow to stop it going over and uh, whipped it in for a Bamyang to score if the Arsenal skipper gets an easier goal to score this season I'll be very surprised plus points where Smith Rowe and Saka will continue to grab the headlines but I was really impressed by the commanding performance of Thomas Partey who put a delightful and precise pass into the path of Arsenal skipper Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to score the opener. If you've recorded this match, replay it, but only watch the passes and contribution of Thomas Partey. He was busy in both halves, mopping up the ball, putting in the challenges, keeping the play moving forward and delivering an array of quality passes as Arsenal went up the field. The partnership between Xhaka and Partey showed genuine promise, but it has to be tested at a far higher level before it's proven. The interaction between Saka and Smith-Rowe reaped dividends on the left and the right and ESR continues to develop in his role as the playmaker with his short passes, excellent movement, vision and awareness. Tierney was back, the Scottish Terminator. 
Um, another bad accent, sorry, apologies in advance, especially if you're Scottish. Tierney was back, proving to be a constant threat down the left with his exquisite control, pace, appetite. His range of wicked crosses are phenomenal. And if his strikers are to profit from them properly, they need to get in position quicker or find a new vantage point inside the area. Louise was dominant at the back like a rabid guard dog offering challenges where needed, but keeping it simple and honest on other occasions. He even made his presence felt on Andy Carroll, not something that is generally recommended. In short, the individual elements were fantastic, but the combination of them was heartwarming, increasing fans' optimism in the long term. Yes, this season's performances and results will fluctuate, but the inclusion of Academy youngsters and the purchases of Tierney, Martinelli and Party make the campaigns ahead compelling. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football and conversation. Things that have happened since Spurs last won a trophy. Let me just run round the room with a party hat, party popper. Ah, there you go, there you go. One for you as well. Uh, not you. I know what you do with balloons. Electricity. Yes, that that bright ball in the middle of your ceiling. Uh, you thought it was the sun that come through a hole in the roof. It's not. It's actually electricity lighting your life inside your house. Uh, penicillin has been invented so no more worries for the common cold which is uh, a bit of a side issue at the minute isn't it you have a cold now quite pleased and a man in bradford invented and painted the first ever pair of shoes it's time for your featured guest he's arsenal through and through it's jay right then well uh, nice to have you back mate how are you yeah very well thank you how are you yeah, not too bad. Let's get straight into it. We've got a lot to talk about, haven't we, really? Um, we've had a few yeah. pluses since we last spoke, and uh, one massive negative, mainly the FA Cup defeat to Southampton, where we didn't really shove up, did we? Do you think there was too many changes? Yeah, yeah, it was disappointing. You know, recent years, the FA Cup has provided some great moments, you know, and has saved a few seasons. And to go out like that, was it was disappointing. You know, there were a lot of changes. But the players out there were still capable of, I think, a bit better than what they showed. So, yeah, disappointing. A real flat performance, really. We never really got going from the start. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting that we didn't really know. We just thought he made wholesale changes, Mikel Arteta. But um, he said that there were five changes, uh, mainly due to injuries, which is yeah. fair enough. But it was it was the manner of the defeat, wasn't it? Yeah, it shows that the squad still, it's, it's a weak squad. You know, the first 11 or 12 are, are pretty good or, or they're capable of competing. And, and the players coming in just maybe maybe just aren't quite up to that level yet you know they need the consistency of, of playing every week and just like flitting in and out of the side he showed they were just not quite at it yeah I mean talking about rotation um, the one thing that annoys me when when we tend to do rotations is that we just haven't got the strength and the depth and that's quite obvious it's alright for Man City because they bring people on and they're like for like almost or Liverpool but we just haven't had the resources for God knows how long yeah it's, it's tough one we're relying heavily relying on sort of two or three players and they're not there we just we struggle to create it was a performance that you rewind sort of two months or so it was a similar sort of performance to that you know it was uh, lacking any ideas any sort of penetration uh, and that's that down to just the squad just not being strong enough you know yeah um do you think that uh, the fa cup was kind of like a, a less of a priority for arteta this year um uh, what was he thinking behind that? Do you, do you think it was to concentrate uh, on the Premier League? Yeah, it's, you know, he's obviously he's trying to balance the players you've got. The league was a priority. It's just a shame. You know, you've got to win the game. You've got to win the league game afterwards, haven't you? You know, if you make all those changes, you have to go and win the league game. It was just disappointing because, like I say, the FA Cup, it's been good for us, hasn't it? You know, well, it's it, been, uh, it was a genuine chance of a trophy again, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, you know, in a one-off game, we've got it in us, I think, to pull out a performance. I've said that before, you know, and, and it is a realistic opportunity to, to win a trophy. And to go out like that, you know, Southampton, they're not they're not a great side. It's not, we're not going out to Liverpool or Man City, you know. They're just a really compact and organised side, and that's where we um, we suffer at times, isn't it? 
people who've done their homework mm. know how to approach us. Yeah, I mean, the forwards, you know, Nketiah, William, Martinelli. I mean, Martinelli was buzzing around, but, you know, Nketiah didn't really do much. Pepe didn't really do too much. You know. And it, we made it easy for them. Nothing really coming through midfield. It was just, it was pretty standard stuff. And then they just, they just dealt with it easily. I've got, I've got something to ask you. Do you think Martinelli's fully recovered because he doesn't look as, uh, as sharp as he was against Man City? No, yeah, I think he's, it looks like he's just holding back a little bit. He's still just not quite there, is he? But even then, you know, we'd be discussing him not being at sort of top, top level. I thought he was still our biggest threat. And he was, you know, he was, he was, like I say, buzzing around. But still, we, we didn't create anything I can really think of in that first half. To be honest, uh, it's, it, it, it's kind off. of fading from memory because it was that unmemorable. There was yeah. nothing really to chew on, nothing really to take a note on. And no. I think we suffered, um, you know, when I was writing the blogs on it, it was hard to write down anything that was any good. Yeah, Gabriel had a few sort of shaky moments, didn't he? And I think Leno, uh, Leno made a good save. And Southampton, they started, I think they, they pretty much bossed the entire half, didn't they? Started yeah. well. And we were like, we were chasing the game, not looking very good. Just It was just one of those performances that, you just easily forget about. You put it behind you. It's a shame it was a cup game, you know, because you're out of that competition. But it's just, it's, like you say, it's easy to, to put it to one side and <laughs> forget and that's about exactly it. exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were, there, were there any yeah. high points? Can you outline any high points that you saw? As the game went on, Thomas Party came on. We looked a bit better. You know, Pepe created a couple of chances for Nketiah. I mean, they weren't great chances, I didn't think. But clutching at straws, you know, there was, there was very little. Yeah, I agree uh, with you. It's, it's a horrible way to go. It's really sloppy. And uh, I, th- I think we might regret it if we're just going to put all our eggs in one basket and sort of uh, think about the Premier League and the Europa League. I think we might yeah. have missed a trick. But it is what it do you is. Think, do you think he'll, he'll approach the Europa in a similar way? Do you think he'll make those changes? Do you think he'll sort of prioritise the league over or do you reckon he'll try and sort of even it out for each competition I think he's kind of split on those two I think he'll he'll want to do as well as he can in the Premier League but he'll also want Mm -hmm. to get as far as he can in the Europa League but it won't stop Mm -hmm. him uh, rotating I don't think he knows what his best side is at present if they're all fit yeah Yeah. I I, I think he's still going to continue which is a shame yeah, because, I mean, you know, Lacazette's done so well this season and he, he offers us more than just goals. He's a bit of a target man up there without being the target man, if that makes sense. He does the hard work, he grafts. And then, and, you know, replace him with, with Nketiah. And this isn't a dig at Nketiah, but you just don't get the same. And I think, you know, if you're playing Benfica and they've got Katongan playing at the back for them, you definitely prefer playing against Nketiah than, than the Lacazette, you know. And I think it just, I don't know. I think the Europa is, is a trophy competition that we can go quite deep into, you know, if we take it seriously enough. I just, I just don't want to see that it, ah, it's difficult because you put yourself in Arteta's position and he's got to rotate these players, hasn't he? He's got to try and give players rests when he can, but I don't know. No, well, tough. the fact is yeah, that the, the games are coming so thick and fast, it's unbelievable. So that's probably yeah. the main reason that he, he really does go for rotation. Injuries and all that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, uh, you know, it, it seems every other week we've got another injury to cope with. Yeah, I mean, the Southampton game, nobody, you know, those that came in, I think there were, what, seven changes. I can't really think of one that would have, you know, forced his way into the Premier League. You know, I don't think anyone really stood out at all, did they? And in the late, just making it easy again for Arteta to not pick them. There's a big difference between, you know, the likes of Party and El Nani. And like I've already said, you know, Lacazette and, and Nketiah—they're not at the moment. They're not taking their chances, are they? You I know? tell you what has um, has been noticeable: Balogun has disappeared from the uh-huh. bench. I, I, I assume yeah. by that that he's he's not going to sign. Yeah, it has to it has to be that because I mean this this is a game. As if he was or if he had signed the contract, you, you probably would have seen him against Southampton, right? He would have been on the bench and he would have come on. And if we're chasing the game like we were, he would have been brought on and. It doesn't look good from that point of view. I mean, it's gone a bit quiet, hasn't it? You know, it normally means that um, his his agent has probably found him another another gig. Yeah, that's what he, that's the story, isn't it? I think you know you, you hear the stories about apparently he wants to stay, but the agent doing what agents do. 
Yeah, too many of those today, isn't there? No wonder Wenger didn't like them. Yeah. (laughs) Right, let's move off the Southampton game then, because we've probably given it more time than it deserved in the FA Cup. Um, Lampard was sacked by Chelsea for, I think it was five defeats back-to-back. That Um, could have been Arteta about six weeks ago. Does it show a great ambition on Chelsea's part, do you think? Mm, I suppose if it was Arteta, I wouldn't. I, I never wanted Arteta to be sacked, fired, whatever. I didn't want him to be removed from the job. I did sort of question: Is he? Was he the right man? Has he? Uh, you know, there's a few knee-jerk tweets that I made, but I'm glad we didn't sack him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Man United went, has been through it. I think you know a number of periods of difficult results, and he's. You know, United are flying high. Klopp and Pep weren't successful initially. They've gone on to to great things. So, you know, it's Chelsea's way. It's it's the way that they deal with these things. And Abramovich or whoever's making the the decision to get rid of these managers, it's worked in the past. They have a conveyor belt of trophies, you know. But take the money thing away, they've lacked a fair amount of class whilst they've done it. Yeah, they've not not played uh, football in the style that I appreciate. Mm Mm-hmm. But they, yeah. they've won things, so it depends. I they've won a lot. Supporters' point of view, what what do you prefer, trophies or mm. style? Sometimes yeah. the two don't go hand in hand, do they? No, just they've got a, you know, like I said, they've got a, a real sort of proven track record of just getting rid when it doesn't feel right. You know, and, yeah, all the, the the reasons why I think are just irrelevant. I think it's just. If a manager goes through a bit of a shaky spell, that's it, you're gone. You know, I think was it Di Matteo who I think he, he won the Champions League and six months later he was gone. Ancelotti won the double and a couple of months later he was gone. And, you know, it's just, it's the Chelsea way. I, I suppose it, it's modern day football, right? Again, players' loyalty doesn't really exist in football anymore. And I suppose managers don't, they end up managing, you know, look at Mourinho, he's, he's managed a number of top clubs hasn't he he's been sacked from all of them you know he just counts the money didn't he <laughs> yeah yeah oh three years yeah. you're up see you later <laughs> I, I mean I did say you know I've got a, I've got a friend of mine who's a Chelsea fan and, and I said to it at the start of the season in the summer I'll be surprised if Lampard lasted till Christmas he made all those signings, spent a lot of money on, on on the forwards, and they've never let him down. One of the issues that you know was was aimed at some of the players over the, the sort of the difficult spell we've had recently was that players are consistently letting the manager down. You know, those players have, have let Lampard down. Not that I really care too much because it's Chelsea, but you know, the players just they just carry on, don't they? You know, it's interesting, isn't it's it, just, that uh, Abramovich yeah. has paid out a hundred between a hundred uh, hundred million and a hundred and twelve million in compensation. Since 2003, wow. nobody else does wow. that. Nobody else wow. can afford it. No, no, that's, that's insane money. Um, if yeah. if the same set of circumstances were facing, you know, now Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, um, they'd never get the same treatment, would they? No. Klopp and Pep, I think at some point in the future when, you know, when they walk away from those clubs, it'll be on their terms, I think. You can't see them. Unless it, you're talking they'd have to be in the bottom three. And this is this is another thing about Chelsea, you know. It's not like Chelsea were in the relegation zone. It's it's, it's, it's unpredictable and, and, you know, Klopp, Klopp and Pep, they'd have to be, have to drop right off. And they've just got, especially Pep, you know, Man City, they've got so much money that that would just never happen. They'd never be in a position where they'd have to remove him. That decision would lie with those managers themselves when they're ready to leave. I think the thing as well is Abramovich has spent lots of money, but he just can't buy style. Um, yeah. do, do you think that Thomas Tuchel's going to do a better job? Don't really see the appeal with Tuchel. What did he? He won the league in, in Paris, but not the biggest achievement in football. I think he can, you know, he can have any there. manager he wants. So he just, you know, oh, well, I'll have Thomas Tuchel this time round. Who else is there? Yeah, <laughs> there was Allegri. He got he did well at Juventus. Got into a couple of Champions League finals. I thought he could be pretty good, but he sort of fell off the radar a bit. Uh, but I don't see the I don't see the appeal with Tuchel. I really don't. Um, well, he's talking a good fight. He's saying that he's going to get them playing in a certain way and it's going to be attractive football, but we'll see. But you, you can have attractive football, but if they're not winning, they'll just sack him, won't they? That's their way. That's the Chelsea way. If they, there's absolutely no way that they'd settle for attractive football, but fifth, sixth place and have all this sort of the cups. And, you know. Yeah, they would never have yeah. done uh, or, or persevered with anyone uh, the way Arsenal did with Arsene Wenger you know the yeah. first 10 years were great you know cups every now and again which wouldn't wouldn't have yeah, gone down well no and, and those and those FA Cups for Wenger you know they painted over some pretty large cracks didn't they you know as well as I do you know there were long periods where it was 
pretty depressing and that would just not happen at Chelsea, not a chance. You know, and we didn't win the title the year Eduardo broke his leg. If that was Chelsea, he'd have been gone at that season. They're just cut through, aren't they? Yeah, we've got a game coming up at the weekend against Manchester United and they've had yeah. a rude awakening against Sheffield United. Um, mm-hmm. What did you make of that? Did you see it? Well, well to be honest, I didn't see... I, I noticed they were losing and I popped it on. Uh, so I just saw the closing stages of it and it didn't look great. They didn't look... I think they made a few changes. Defensively, they looked awful. But it's a tough game and it's, it's Man United. It's still, for me personally, it's one of, if not the biggest game of the season. It's, it doesn't hold the same weight, you know, but it's still it's still huge. Um, the thing about that know, Sheffield United game was that second goal was unbelievable. It was slow, wasn't it? It was a really slow Tremendous. little period of play. Didn't look great. But again, I, I've, we've said it, we've spoken about this before, haven't we? United haven't looked <laughs> a team that should be where they are. And they get largely sort of... I wouldn't say dominated, but they have phases in games, don't they, where they, they turn it on for... Have you noticed that the them? press have started sort of um, pumping them up a bit? Yeah. On the yeah. On, on Sky Sports or, you know, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, they always manages to pull it out. They've got this record for away wins and all this yeah. nonsense. It's almost like they're yeah, going to challenge next week, which they're not going to. They're in the same position as Arsenal. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. You know, probably have to make United favourites. But, but we're in good form, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think, just going back to what we were talking about, the, you know, the Southampton game, we're, we're relying on certain players. And if we can get those players available, we should be all right. But we'll see. Right, let's just have a quick chat. The transfers, uh, Matt Ryan in and Martin Odegaard. Happy with those? Yeah, we, we needed a keeper. Absolutely no doubt, as we, we discussed before. He, he fits the bill perfectly. You know, I reckon Mikel listens to our podcast and he, he listened to <laughs> your, he listened to your, uh, your points and then he went out and bought someone. <laughs> Completely agree. Completely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah, and, and Odegaard can come in and work alongside Smith Rowe. They can share some, some game time, you know, work together. He's not going to get in the way of Smith Rowe's progression. Um, but by all accounts, he's a, he's a good player. My son is a big fan of his, so... He's got to he's got to start well because we need him, don't we? You know, we can. There's, gonna, there's so many games, as you said. It's, it's it's a good sign. It's the type of sign that we needed. It's a name as well, and it's sort of it's he's coming from a prestigious club, and I just hope that you know he wants it. If that makes sense, I hope when he gets his chances, he, he um he, he's not too put off by the cold weather and the <laughs> and the tough tackling and the speed of the game. You know, so I hope we make a few more as well. I hope we're not just done. I hope we've, we've still got maybe one or two in as a move. Kind of came out and said that um, they were still looking at stuff, so maybe before the window closes, we might yeah, just finish yeah. off. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. What about um, next season's midfield? Let's just speculate who who's going to stay, who's going to go. It looks like Maitland Niles could be on his way out on a loan. Southampton, mm-hmm. West Brom, someone like that. Um, Caballos, I think, will definitely go in the summer. What's your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, David Luiz, I think he's out of contract. You know, like Mustafi, he's probably going to go. You can see maybe Joe Willock be move out on loan. Reese Nelson could go out on loan. I think Kalasan actually, he's just on loan at the moment, isn't he? And I think, he, is he out of contract in the summer? I'm not too sure. I think so, he yeah. could leave. Lucas Torreira, I think we could get, you know, a few quid for him. Guendouzi. You know, I can't really see a way back in from him. I don't, Arteta's not a fan, I don't think. When you list them, there's quite a few. Just, yeah, just none of them that we've got any money for yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not great at generating any transfer fees, are we? It shows how good our recruitment drive's been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, well, thanks, yeah, for, but, um, thanks for coming on. We've run out of time for this segment. Yeah. And uh, okay, hopefully okay. you come back next week. Yeah, would it? Right, nice talking to you, mate. Cheers. It's an Arsenal Fang podcast. Fun, football and conversation. Right, I've got a I've got a cracker for you. Uh, fantasy football team names, courtesy of goal.com. Apart from getting a decent team, you always miss out. There's one that you want to include that you can't afford. The other problem is the name. What do you call it? Do you go for a serious name, something witty? From personal experience, I've spent hours pondering the name. Uh, But we've got a top 10 list, courtesy of Goal.com, a pun-infested finanza of names. And starting off at number 10, no music, you'll be glad to know. Uh, A bit tinny the last one, wasn't it? Number 10, Guns and Moses. At number 9, 
Are you being served? It's a classic. Well done. Pat yourself on the back for that one. Number eight, The Wizard of Ozil. <laughs> Very current. Yes. At number seven, Flying Without Ings. At number six, Benteki Fried ch Chicken. Dave just looked at me blankly. What's that about? Five, Show Me Damane. I like that one. That is clever. Not so keen on this. Game of Throw-Ins. One for Hector Bellerin. Number three, Control-Alt-Delat. <laughs> That's better. Number two, Who Ate All Depays? That is a classic. And number one does not disappoint. Get ready for this. Bring on the drum roll. Lalana's in pyjamas. That's my absolute favourite from that top 10 list. But the ones that missed out, which I think it, it should have been included. Um, at number 42 was obi Wani wobi At number 41 was One Flew Over Lukaku's Nest. <laughs> and at 28, missing out, was Murder on Zidane's Floor. Yes, you like that. From the land that gave you popcorn, drive-ins, Johnny Mathis, and the legitimate right to shoot your neighbor for parking outside your house, direct from the U.S. of A., it's a potpourri of foosball analysis and stuff. It's American Arsenology. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to American Arsenology, brought to you by QAnon. We're even dumber in real life. I'm your host, Manon Chewbacca Suit. And now, tonight's top stories. Good evening, Tom. Great to be with you. Uh, excited here tonight to talk about the Premier League fixture between Arsenal and Southampton. It was the second time the Saints and Gunners drew swords in a manner of quick succession. Mikel Arteta's squad was looking for a quick rebound off their early exit as the holders from the FA Cup at the hands of said Saints. Tuesday night was a different story. Arsenal walked away victorious, 3-1 to one to extend a six-game unbeaten streak in the Premier League. Uh, that's a pretty big deal, given where we were at just a few short weeks ago before the Chelsea match on Boxing Day. Uh, there was a lot more to talk about in this one, Tom. And the first hit of the night came from Southampton and came from poor marking by Nicolas Pepe. He was hanging around the D smoking a pack of Newports when tragedy struck. It was Stuart Armstrong volleying home from James Ward-Prowse's well-cultured corner. Armstrong drove the ball into the wet surface. Leno was able to get a palm on the ball, but could do nothing to keep out the Saints. It was a cruel twist of fate, Tom, as just minutes before, and literally the first minute of the match, the Frenchman Alexander Lacazette was put in clean on goal 1v1 with Southampton's keeper after Granit Xhaka's newly sponsored Puma Feet played the killer pass. But as so is often the case with Lacazette, he lacked the confidence, guile, and clinical nature to finish, Tom. As the announcers on NBC Sports said, it looked as though Lacazette was trying to go through the legs of the keeper, or five-hole as we sometimes refer to it. But I'm, I'm, I'm remiss to say, Tom. Look, Lacazette whacked it on frame. No confidence, no conviction, and the result was a save by Southampton. But this turned out to be a day of redemption for Nicolas Pepe in some ways, Tom. As five minutes later, he drew Arsenal level, taking another fantastic pass from Granit Xhaka. The Ivorian did well to receive, shield the ball, hold off his defender, and slot to the lower left side netting of Southampton's McCarthy. It was a great goal, one we hope to see many more of, Tom. But more importantly in this one, it was Nicolas Pepe's work rate off the ball to recover, tackle, and challenge in those key critical duels that have so long been something missing from his game. But look, Tom, the rest of the half was interesting. Cedric came close. 
he put in his own volley that was just inches wide of the target and to me looked to have beaten the keeper. I was up off the couch. Chips were flying and my wife was cursing in the background. What the hell is going on? Bellerin drew a card in about the 20th minute, Tom. But it was a few minutes later, in the 39th minute, when we got a glimpse of the phenom who is Bukayo Saka. Uh, Saka took a great ball from Lacazette that was forced, uh, a turnover in possession that was forced by the great pressing of Arsenal, which was the theme for the day. And Lacazette played in Saka, who rounded the keeper with great balance, guile, and integrity, Tom, as he slotted home with his weaker right foot, which, again, was a theme of the day. Lacazette to Saka, Saka to Lacazette, and Saka's right foot providing the goods. There were some strange calls in this one, Tom, and it turned out that Arsenal did not have a friend in Freund. Yes, Kevin Freund made some strange calls, uh, particularly two on Granit Xhaka that we'll touch on uh, a bit later. But it was clear to me, Tom, that Freund was a bit odd in some of his decision-making. But the first half came to an end, Tom, and it was the rotation of Arteta that looked to be fairly effective. Arteta... Uh, chose to play a weaker team in the cup game, as we all know, and Arsenal went into halftime leading 2-1. Uh, a few takeaways, Tom, for me after watching that first half, and uh, as you've written about on uh, your blog for Arse Devils, the lack of a left-footed player to play on the left side keeps me longing for Nacho. Longing for Nacho. Yes, Tom, we do still need a left-footed player to play that left-back role when Tierney is out, rested, or, and or injured. Uh, so that's something that Arteta must still continue to be looking at in this window before it slams shut in the next few days. Uh, Southampton's very own Ryan Bertrand is someone, Tom, that you know is uh, someone that's recently been linked to the club. And on a short-term deal, it's something that I think we could support here um, at American Arsenology. Uh, another big takeaway, Tom, from that first half was the passing range and composure of Thomas Party on the ball. Uh, he is so clean. He is so calm. He is so cool hand Party. Uh, it's just a joy to watch him play. And, you know, sometimes you have to rub your eyes saying, well, Arteta and Edu uh, pulled off this signing. What a, what a world-class player Party is. So can't wait to see his influence um, in the next few matches. Uh, we'll talk about what happened with him in the second half, which is uh, a concern. Uh, one other thing, Tom, about Cedric, he does appear to occasionally be stretched uh, again in transition. He's not the most athletic guy as uh, today's standards go, and he was split a couple of times uh, in transition out of position. So still not sure if I would put Cedric um, as the next best left back that Arsenal have or right back, frankly. Um, but he did grow into the game in the second half, uh, and credit to the former Saints man for providing uh, the goods later on in the match versus his former club. The second half was interesting, Tom. Uh, as you no doubt know, Walcott did sting Leno's palms early on in around the 50th minute, uh, and a few minutes later it was ML Smith-Rose sombrero uh, delighting the Arsenal faithful as he delicately lobbed the ball over James Ward-Prowse's head. Um, it's nice to see a little Halen magic on Southampton's own pride and joy. Uh, Louise went down briefly, Tom. Not sure what was going on there. Uh, I think there's a possibility that he was worried about the lack of uh, bounce in his hair uh, given the, the weather and um, his oncoming baldness. But I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Uh, as we continue to go through this second half, Tom, I think the value of playing Saka as an inverted winger, um, as the right winger, a left-footed player, um, provided some dynamism uh, for Arsenal that has been missing. It's something we've been calling for uh, quite a while uh, here at uh, American Arsenology. In the 65th minute, Tom... There was uh, a bit of a scare for Arsenal as Danny Ings walked through three or four Arsenal defenders and uh, spun Rob Holding around like a top. Not uh, the best defending from Arsenal in that moment. Thankfully, uh, Ings could not convert. 
Things did get a little concerning for Arsenal, uh, and the rain on the parade did start to fall a bit harder um, again in the 69th minute, as it looked as though Brazilian phenom, another phenom, two phenoms, uh, Gabriel Martinelli was set to come on for Nicolas Pepe. Uh, it was a strange kind of few minutes, Tom, as Pepe was carded by Freund, uh, for what he deemed, I guess, to be time-wasting. But again, it was a bizarre call from Freund. Moving on, Tom, uh, in that same kind of window of play, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe went to the ground with what we are hoping is cramp. Uh, we're still waiting to hear from uh, Arteta on just the severity of what's going on with Smith-Rowe. Uh, but in the long run, Tom, Smith-Rowe did end up coming off. Nicolas Pepe. Pepe stayed on, excuse me, and Martinelli was uh, relegated back to the bench and that no doubt drove him nuts, uh, but he accepted the decision pretty well. Who did come on was your favorite, Will I N, Will I N, William. Uh, William came on when uh, the whole situation went down with Smith Rowe. And Tom, it was another dreadful, dreadful, dreadful cameo by William. Uh, there was a couple moments and a highlight going around on Twitter of, of Williams' inability to sprint down that left channel um, during one of Pepe's uh, dribbles. And it just begs the question, what is going on uh, with William? And I'm not sure anyone knows. I'm going to try to consult with Salt Bay prior to the next pod um, because at this point I don't know uh, what what is happening, Tom. But in the 73rd minute, it was a bit of uh, Cedric Brilliance, the entertainer. He brought it. Uh, he played a fantastic right-footed ball from the left flank left flank uh, to Saka, whose uh, fantastic game insight, vision, intelligence, uh, ability to play in the next moment, we can classify it in different ways. Saka received the ball and first time played to uh, Alexander Lacazette, who was making a run to the far post. But it was just that uh, understanding of the moment, Tom, how to take advantage of it and uh, put Arsenal ahead that just, you know, further further heightens the legend of Saka as it grows day by day. Um, and it was a great ball by Saka. It needed to happen first time. He played it with his weaker foot. He did not attempt to cut back. Um, onto his left foot, even though he had just scored a goal and has been in fantastic form. No, he unselfishly played in Lacazette, and the Frenchman could not miss from that range. Um, he did hit the post, or pretend he did, uh, and whine about it a bit. But hey, it's Lacazette, and frankly, Laca does have a few goals in his last few matches, Tom, so hard to get uh, too harsh on Lacazette if he keeps scoring. Um, he's not one of our favorite players, as you well know. In the 77th, Tom, there was some concern, major concern with Thomas Partey, who looked to be cramping, uh, given the number of pressures and uh, the pressing style that Arteta implemented in this one to kind of limit the Saints' buildup. Um, it's not a huge surprise given Partey's return from injury and limited minutes as of late. But it is a worry, Tom, uh, I think other than Saka, Party is our best player at the club, and obviously we want him available for the fixture at the Emirates against Manchester United. We'll see what happens with that one. We are looking forward to the uh, pre-match comments from Arteta and an update on Party as we go to air with this uh, segment. El Nenny came on uh, and was pedestrian, kind of as usual. A, an error by David Luiz, Tom, who is the center back that we rate highly here um, in the States. Uh, we do rate him as the best center back at the club, despite all his shithousery from previous seasons with Chelsea and the like. Uh, but he did have a few errors in this one and make a few mistakes. Um, I think the conditions uh, could be down to some of it, but he wasn't at his best. Nonetheless, Tom, he has a calming influence on the team and uh, an effect to motivate them um, that is unique at that position for the club right now. Uh, moving on, Tom, the last few minutes of this one, uh, there was another strange call by Kevin Freund in the 84th minute, awarding Southampton a free kick just outside the area. 
it was a very odd call. The second one that Freund made on Shaka and uh, was unmerited based on the replay. Freund can go Freund himself, uh, but the resulting free kick from Ward Prowse did draw a save from Leno at full stretch, and the rebound uh, came close to leading to um, a lifeline for Southampton. And I can only imagine how we would all be feeling if Freund had given the Saints um, that very lifeline that they did not deserve. It was a bad call. But the Gunners saw it over the line, Tom, and it was a big win for Mikel Arteta after the disappointment of the FA Cup exit. Thinking about this second half, Tom, there were a few things that stood out here at American Arsenology, and one of the things that is important to note is that Bern Leno and Arsenal and Mikel Arteta seem more willing to play long from goal kicks uh, when the side is winning and kind of go away from building out of the back uh, if it's a higher risk situation. And I think um, it's nice to see that flexibility from Arteta um, while we are all for uh, playing the ball on the deck and building out uh, to expose uh, spaces beyond lines once they're broken. Um, it just makes sense, especially given Arsenal's frailness for the past 10 to 15 years to play long uh, when we have a lead. Second thing, Tom, uh, is the ongoing situation with the number 10 role at Arsenal. With uh, Emil Smith-Rowe coming off, uh, we saw Arteta's decision to bring William on. Uh, and given his ineffectiveness in this match and the past 20 or 19, rather, um, plus the Europa League, um, the signing of uh, Martin Odegaard, Odegaard, uh, feels like a great signing, Tom. Um, and I know you have some mixed uh, feelings on this one, but I got to say, I think the Norwegian uh, may add something special to Arsenal. And uh, Tom, I think it's important to note here that Arteta does seem to have some kind of sway in the transfer market, uh, whether that's you know him or primarily Adu. Uh, but it's it's I think it's notable that uh, Arteta has been able to bring in um, a couple big names. Obviously, uh, Thomas Party on deadline day was uh, quite the coup. Um, but but signing the Real Madrid wonder kid uh, is pretty it's pretty interesting, Tom. And I think it speaks well for Arteta's future in the market and at the club in general. And and Odegaard is someone we are very excited about here um, at AA. Uh, lastly, Tom, I want to say that the next time we see a player lie down behind a wall, um, it's going to be hard not to vomit uh, in the living room where we so often spend many minutes these days given COVID. Uh, can't stand the tactic. Um, I don't see many players going under the wall and uh, having Bellerin lay behind that wall, Tom. It, it really is atrocious. Uh, and I hope we don't see it again. But that's about it uh, from us here at American Arsenology for episode nine, Tom. Uh, a couple question marks about the uh, second leg versus United this season as Arteta looks to complete the double. Uh, first, Tom, would not surprise us here um, at American Arsenology to see Arteta revert to three center backs uh, for the United game, given the personnel who are available and um, what I assume is Arteta's and his satisfaction with a point in this one. So look for that, Tom. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the 3-4-3 slash 5-2-3 against United, even though Arsenal have played better with a back four. Uh, second thing is, will Party be uh, fit for this game? If he is, he is the game changer. He is the one that, uh, in our opinion, can help Arsenal uh, potentially grab a point or more versus United. And then will the Norwegian get any minutes in this one? Um, you know, it's going to be one of those one of those watershed moments where Arteta has to say, look, William, you're on a crap ton of money for three years, but we just brought in this 22-year-old um, who has been lighting up La Liga in a lot of ways prior to the uh, COVID lockdown. Um, so 
One can only assume Arteta has guaranteed Odegaard um, minutes and a prominent role, and let's hope it starts um, against Manchester United, Tom. That's it for now. Sending it back to you. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football, and conversation. Right, the results are in for Arsenal's best ever left back. Let's have a bit of music, Dave. What's that? Are you taking the Mikel? Oh, that's better. That's better. Sets the scene. At number five is Nacho Monreal. Monreal arrived at Arsenal in 2013 from Malaga for around eight million and soon established himself as a firm fan's favourite for his darting runs, passionate displays, and he quickly became the preferred choice of Arsene Wenger. Apart from being an outstanding left back, he also got his fair share of goals, and most memorably on the 9th of March 2015, when Monreal scored the opening goal in a 2-1 win over Manchester United at Old Trafford, which saw Arsenal progress to the semi-finals of the FA Cup. No wonder he's at number five. At number four, it's Nigel Winterburn, the Nadger, part of George Graham's famous back four that's now become something of a holy grail for teams defensively. Uh, Winterburn was an immensely determined professional who gave everything in attack and defence, not only a key part of George Graham's sides, but his career was extended by the radical changes implemented by Arsene Wenger. Winterburn wasn't a prolific scorer, but when he did get on the score sheet, it was usually in spectacular fashion. At number three, it's Stoskut. Um, recently touted by Nigel Winterburn as the best left back in the Premier League, Nadge said when Kieran Tierney first came to the Arsenal, he was injured and unable to train with the team. He came in on a separate rehabilitation programme initially, but now we're starting to see what he can really produce on a regular basis. He's one of the best left backs in the Premier League when you consider his consistency, his crossing and chances he creates. How successful he will be will depend on how many games he plays, how many trophies he wins but he's up there with the best left backs in the Premier League. His level of performance has been great. You don't need anything flashy from your defenders. You need them to do their job well and be a 7 out of 10 or above every week, which is exactly what he does. I felt myself welling up there, Nadge. At number two, it's Kenny Sanson. Kenny Sanson made his Arsenal debut against West Brom on 16th of August 1980 and he established himself as the automatic first choice left back. He was Arsenal's Player of the Year in 1981 and became Arsenal captain, leading them to a 1987 League Cup victory against Liverpool. Sanson was also involved in the late winner scored by Charlie Nicholas. And at number one, it's Ashley Cole. Even though supporters were upset by his decision to join Chelsea in 2006 and still are, um, he's generally regarded as the finest left back of his generation. And in his Arsenal career, he was the best left back in the world. He was a fast attacking left back, but also his defensive awareness and positioning were vital to Arsene Wenger's style of play. Cole was a member of the 2003-2004 Invincible side. Right, we've run out of time. That's it. Grab your coats. Just time to thank Silent Dave, Isaiah aka Blade Runner. Check out his blogs at bladerunnerarsenal.medium.com or look him up on Twitter. Thanks to our guest Jay. We're sorry we couldn't get Kellyanne on the show. We had a few technical problems uh, but we will get her on again soon. Let's also thank Howard Jones for his unlicensed piece of music and contribution to the show. To Monotone Graham, uh, to Soam D and to Brandon Murphy. Check out the blogs at askdevils.com. Email the show at it's an arsenal thing for at gmail.com or look us up on facebook and twitter if you like what you've heard today please hit the subscribe button until the next time please stay safe take care and join us again soon